0: Look, up on the slopes. What is that? Well, it looks like a pair of cross-country skiers going downhill. No, it must be some alpine skiers with broken bindings. Wait, on closer inspection, it's...
1: Those Telly Guys. Good day. My name is Morgan, and this is Those Telly Guys, the free healing podcast from Down Under. I'm joined as ever by Rich. How are you, mate? Very good, Morgs.
2: It is the season finale, so I must open this beer. And that is a sweet sound. I can't believe we're already here, Morgs. Another season under the belt, season two, and what a season it has been. And we're here to talk about everything that influenced this
1: season in the seasonal
2: breakdown. But uh, first thing, mate, how you been? How's the last couple of
1: weeks been for you? Yeah, it's been good. And although it, it is, I suppose, bittersweet uh, seeing footage of um, the snow melting, knowing that, uh, you know, our season is coming really to an end with the closing of the resorts at the, the regular closing date, I suppose, and people, you know, moving into more backcountry skiing. But as I said, it has been bittersweet because now I can start feeling a little bit less jealous of people getting out and about on their skis. And
2: perhaps from the clouds above, they're sympathising with you being a bit empathetic by sending a shit tonne of rain to (laughs) get rid of all the snow in the backcountry. We've been hit hard the last week with a lot of rain, but there's still a little bit out there people are chasing.
1: Yeah, I've been um, up to date with... Several several people's Instagram accounts and just checking in to see, you know, mainly a name, namely yours and Lucas's and some other people that I follow that have been getting out and about. And it does look—I don't want to say marginal, because I'm sure that some of those um, particular aspects around Mount Bogong and other locations, the snow is probably quite deep there. But it seemed to disappear from the ridgetops tops and the mm. the the other side of the mountain fairly swiftly
2: yeah we had some monumental rain events that have kind of literally put a dampener on the backcountry skiing for spring but we've i've had a couple of fantastic trips and so have a lot of other people and i might get a couple more days in next week if they get a frost might go do how's- some candy laps.
1: laps. <laughs> how's the uh Level of um, sunburn and sunscreen required <laughs> while spring skiing this year.
2: Good for me, the flap hat, my new Legionnaire's hat, worked a treat. I was uh, I was saved by the sun from the sun. Sorry, my counterparts in Chris, he uh, forgot a hat, so he certainly got absolutely oh pickled. He looked like the Kool Aid guy, <laughs> and and Nicole's snoser definitely got
1: scorched. Oh no, not the not the snozer!
2: Yeah, well, she's looking like she's about to guide
1: Santa's sleigh. No. <laughs> that that reminds me of a, a time. This was in 2016, I believe, and I may have mentioned this on the cast another time. But this is another Ferg and myself story, of which there are many, of course. And uh, we went up to Mount Bogong. It was in October. It must have been, it was probably around this time of year because there was still plenty of cover. Like you could put your skis on at the top. And, yeah, there was still like smatterings of snow across uh, the ridge, the above the tree line section of Eskdale Spur as you were heading up to the summit of Bogong. And anyway, we had we just had canned gully to ourselves. There was a couple of other random people in there. And we forgot to take sunscreen up. And we were both skiing in shorts and a shirt. <laughs> and so I just remember how sunburnt we were on the back of our necks, the back of our knees, the back of our like triceps and just our faces as well. We just got absolutely roasted. It's the worst sunburn I think I've ever got.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much on the frying pan up there, aren't you? Like, you certainly get pickled. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But the last couple of episodes have been good morgues. The dirtbag episode, one of our favourites, might have been the favourite of the season. Certainly, got a good laugh out of that. And Mark Oates last week, what a what a ripper episode that was! Catching up with him and hearing about his traverses (plural) of the Australian Alps walking track in winter.
1: Yeah, fantastic chat it was. Rich and I, I as I was saying to you before we started recording, I really enjoyed having the chat with Mark and yourself and I also really enjoyed listening uh, back to the pod the other day when I was out on my bicycle as I so often do and also yeah that one with Ferg the dirtbag episode I got many laughs while doing it and listening back to it as well which there were some silly things said on that episode but some very entertaining and funny things said as well so and it was awesome to be able to do a pod with the three of us again um, which is Not happened a whole lot this season due to uh, time constraints and different schedules, but, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, absolutely. And, And
2: Mark Oates, I actually would recommend everyone, if you're interested in actually seeing his adventures, popping onto YouTube and typing in his name, you'll find a series of short videos, 35, to match the amount of days that took them on the second crossing to finish the Australian Alps walking track and they're actually it's quite interesting i think he's very modest in in the interview but it you know it looked it looked pretty hard and especially in the early stage of the trip in kind of the in the southern parts of the australian Alps walking track heading up you know getting higher in elevation to where they could eventually keep their skis on for a long time they battled through some very very scrubby terrain where the track was pretty much non-existent and covered in snow very hard
1: yeah, and not having watched those videos myself yet, Rich, uh, as we were discussing before we started recording again, uh, that I was sort of hypothesising that, that that really the tougher parts of the trips are going to be the sections of the trail that are lower down away from the real true alpine areas where you're going to be able to, um, you know, skin around or ski around. But those sections that are sort of that mid, like montane range, I guess we kind mm. of call it, Um yep you're in the trees and if it's been a big snow year, which uh, you indicated that it was for Mark's second winter crossing, there's going to be a lot of snow down there. And I'm sure we've all been in this situation anywhere. It could be anywhere in the world. If you're going up a bushwalking track to gain access to an alpine area for backcountry. And it happens so much in Australia. I'm not as familiar with international flora, but the, the leaves of the eucalypts and other various shrubs that you might be able to inform me as to the names of them as you're, you know, going up Estell Spur or something, they all hold the snow and then you walk past them and knock it off and then they spring up and hit you and spray you. And it's mm. just you just you're just a wet sopping mess by the time you actually get anywhere. And
2: like any walking track in the bush, you want it to be cleared. And it certainly looks like certainly in the remote sections where they were Trying to ski when they could eventually have their skis on, and then having to try and get over a whole bunch of logs that had come down—it looked uh, like a nightmare.
1: But yeah, because I imagine that there's some sections of the AAWT that really just don't get a whole lot of use, other than people going for a through hike. Yeah, that's it. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'm pretty sure they, you know, they cover themselves by saying, you know, some sections you will not be able to find the track and you need to be able to use a map and compass pretty efficiently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but having, you know, having worked for Parks myself, I, yeah, I know that, you know, we can't get around to all the tracks that we have in our area. So, and they're the ones we can get to easily with a car for the most part. You can imagine the ones right in the thick of it, like the Razor Viking and the berries. Yeah, that's.
1: Yeah, and I was you, thinking right up near, Canberra, like that, the area sort of south, south of um of the ACT, there would be pretty wild, wouldn't
2: it? Mm, yeah, absolutely. But anyway, yes, kudos to them, and definitely check those videos out. Very, very cool and well made. Might I add. Shall we move on to the bulletin? Yes, let's let's move on to the bulletin. This is the Bulgong Bulletin. Not too much in the bulletin. I was really scratching my head for any major news stories, but it's, you know, there's plenty out there, but it's more of the same thing. And, you know, let's not try and bring up the same information over and over again. But uh, one thing that is being talked, not just amongst people in town here, but throughout the country, at least the the snow-faring people anyway, uh, major delays on the EPIC passes and a bit of rigmarole to try and get your pass to. I think there's a requirement of EPIC, pass australia or vale pretty much that they need some solid evidence that you could not get to the ski resorts to use your pass in the time that they were open and you know the lifts were available have you had any trouble yourself
1: yeah i'm not really sure what's going on i've had a few emails from epic australia i guess they're addressed from and they've just well, initially I submitted my claim because I only managed to get up there and ski at Falls Creek for two days this season, uh, and I put in the date that I was no longer able to ski, and I put in some evidence which was a, I don't know, like a gas bill or something showing that I live here in uh, within metropolitan Melbourne, and yeah, I think I've since had two or three emails saying, you know, we are working on your on your claim. So uh, yeah, I'm not 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 really sure when that's going to come through, but I could only imagine how many tens of thousands or whatever the number is, applications uh, for some Mm. sort of refund on the Epic Pass based Mm. on, yeah, I mean, you could just imagine how many people would be within Melbourne and then also many people that maybe live interstate. We know we have a few Sam Fergusons in the world, the real keen cats from South Australia that like to travel across and dabble In the Alpine winter sports, so yeah, there would there would definitely have been many people affected. There's
2: a few. I mean, it's a business, and businesses, you know, like to make money, especially a business as big as Vale. There's a you know a few sneaky moves, um, that will pretty much eliminate anyone in the northeast from getting a refund because if you live in a certain area and the resort is open and you're able to go to the resort, then they're not entitled to give you a refund so you're going to have to prove that you know you were isolating or something at home for 14 days and couldn't get to go skiing if you lived in this that i think it's one of the one of the reasons why they opened back up again because everyone thought for sure they weren't going to open again but then they did and then the story's coming around that they were just under the quoted days that they wouldn't be giving a refund if they they reached that day if that makes any sense Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So once they tick past, let's say, 35 days, anyone in this area is not entitled to a refund because we are able to go skiing.
1: Very cheeky.
2: Very cheeky. And I don't know if you saw this, but I, I thought last season that the Epic Pass Australia, all their ads are saying, you know, you had to ski like eight days. And I even think this year that it was about eight days and it pays for itself or something, the pass. and. I guess every year when they put up the price of the lift ticket for a day, hmm. the amount of days you have to ski to make up your Epic Pass gets less, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the, in theory, next season, they're saying that it's, you know, the amount of days you have to ski is five or something um, to pay it off. I don't know. I guess there's a few people that it, it might stitch up a few people is what I'm trying to get at. That uh, you know, maybe you rock up and do one run and then the whole mountain gets locked down like it happened where they closed at 11 when... Halfway through the day. Halfway yeah. through the day. I mean, if that's a day, if that's your fifth day and any, any one run on a lift counts as a day, then that's, yeah. that's a pretty big stitch up, I would have thought.
1: Yeah, but, well, uh, it could happen. And like you said, they're, they're a business. They're trying to make as much money as they possibly can. So uh, understandable, in, understandable in some respect. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um do you want to talk to us about Cam Walker's Mountain Journal please Rich?
2: Yes, well, well Cam Cam Walker, the the organizer of the backcountry festival has always had a website called the Mountain Journal, but he's actually made it into a journal this year. A little publication that so Is
1: this the is this the first time it's been published as a as a physical? Journal? I believe
2: so. Yeah, I believe so. And he sent me an email saying they printed off about a 1,000 of these things and they're going to leave them lying around, I guess, uh, at various places that enjoy the mountains, so maybe some shops or accommodation places or even just scattered around the resort. It's absolutely fantastic. He gives us a little plug in there too, which we really appreciate, Cam. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, page 30.
2: Yeah, page 30. Thank you. There you go. But it's got all sorts of information, not just about, you know, recreating in the mountains, but you know it's got some environmental things in there. Um, it's got some profiles on some some snow loving people. Our good friend Peter Hull is in there, former brewer. A little uh, r- write up on him. Um, yeah, it's all very interesting, and I, I highly recommend everyone getting their hands on it. Or alternatively, you can jump online and go to the mountainjournal.com and you should be able to find his publication there called the Mountain <laughs> Journal Print Edition Number
1: One, now available. Very good. There's also a page from uh, Rolf, who is a uh, a friend of the show. He came came oh, on yes. our podcast. Yes, Rolf from, from the Mountain Safety Collective. Yes, that was a great episode. Feels like a, a lifetime ago now, Morgs. Yeah, about youngest. the uh,
2: avalanche training centre.
1: Yeah, well, that's uh, what his little articles about. Yeah, there's some really really great stuff in here. Yeah, a, like, really interesting. This stuff about um, about fire. Very informative. Pretty interesting.
2: But yes, uh, thanks Cam for a little plug there and he's talking about writing another edition so I'm guessing this will be an ongoing sort of uh, journal for all of us snow-loving and or just mountain-loving people. Unreal. Thanks Cam and keep up the good work.
1: Excellent. All right. Now, Rich, I'm sure you are sitting there wondering what we're going to talk about on today's podcast.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Morbs,
1: what are we talking about? Well, Rich, today we're going to do a seasonal breakdown so we're going to look at Everything, maybe not everything, we're going to look at the season that was. We're going to look at uh, a range of different points or topics from this year, from Australia, and also from another Southern Hemisphere location. So so perhaps we might review things like, obviously, we're going to review the effect that the pandemic had on our winter, because Mm -hmm. that's... Obviously topical. We're going to look at equipment. We're going to look at backcountry skiing, and of course, we're going to look at weather—the omnipresent and ever-important weather, which, as we know as skiers, shapes our day-to-day activities. And we should
2: also talk about the the overall Telemark skiing vibe. What was it like this year? Mm, we
1: need a we need a we need a word for that—the Telemark skiing vibe. We need to come up with a word.
2: Okay, I'll try and think of a word between now and when we start talking about it.
1: Is that the telekinesis? Oh, it could be. The level of telekinesis in the community.
2: Yeah, I like it. That that kind of sounds like we have the ability to read minds or something like that too. Okay, what are we starting with, Morgz?
1: Well, let's talk about the weather. Do you have any facts or stats or thoughts about the weather from this season? Especially you, obviously, were (coughs) well. you do live very close to the Alpine region.
2: I don't have any facts but I definitely have some thoughts and some feelings about this year's weather and I'm going to say it was an average snow season. We had great coverage, you know, the whole resort was able to open and that's a pretty good indication that it's, you know, a reasonable season because it's got all sorts of north and south facing aspects so, you know, we had plenty of snow on the north enabling summit chair to open and and the maze for a good period a lot of that time that it was able to be skied was during the lockdown unfortunately but yeah we had some some great dumps a few rain events mid-season that kind of consolidated a lot of the snows it wasn't necessarily bad but you know obviously everyone thought that it's going to be such a, a fantastic you know spring season for backcountry skiing and then you know little quotes being thrown around like i'll be skiing christmas day but uh, i don't think that's going to be happening now just Given how much rain we have had in the last month, it's been a very wet spring and the snowpack has disappeared quite quickly. But
1: all in all, Morgz,
2: pretty average and good season. Definitely better than last year.
1: Lovely. Uh, A very uh, comprehensive and from the heart locals report there, I think. But I have actually, in the meantime, searched up some facts this is from i found a page called australia in winter 2021 on the bureau of meteorology so there's a few points here that they make to sort of summarize their findings and this is this is obviously not just the alpine area but the national average temperature for winter was 1.18 degrees celsius above the 1961 to 1990 average Mm. and it was actually the fourth warmest winter on record after 96, 09 and 13. Golly. In Tasmania, it was the second warmest winter ever on record and it was in the 10, top 10 warmest winters for every state and territory except for Western Australia.
2: Well, that's interesting because earlier in the season, we did kind of read out the the bomb seasonal outlook and it mm. did mention that Western Australia was going to be somewhat cooler um, than the rest of the state, at least experience cooler weather than they usually get. So pretty bang on from the Bureau again this year. uh, Their modelling seems to be working pretty damn well.
1: It says that um, rainfall was close to average for most areas. Uh, So, yeah, precipitation, obviously. Um, And rainfall for winter was 4% below, so this is the nation as a whole, 4% below the 1961 to 1990 average, but it was the highest since 2016. So does that... Resonate yeah. with you with regard to the last few winters? Yeah. Not necessarily because we had that mass. There was a big winter in like 2018 or something, wasn't there? That was a yeah. pretty... Was that the oh, Blizzard yeah. of Oz year? It was a, It was definitely a good year. I think
2: the... was a Blizzard it's of Oz year... I think it was... Like 19.
1: 2017 or 2018. Yeah. Might have been 2017. Might
2: have been 2017. 16, 17, 18 were all pretty good seasons. Mm. And even... Yeah, 19 was too, actually. Were, yeah, we had... Yeah, when I first kind of moved here in late 2015, um, all the winter seasons up until last year were pretty good and a few of them phenomenally good, like amazing. Yeah, that's interesting. Like I said, definitely a lot of rain since spring. You know, it was like September started and then, yeah, the heavens opened. Um, So we've had a lot of rain. But a lot of, you know, there's been that much snow that it hasn't been that bad. Like it's kind of, you know, reset each time. A nice Mm. clean canvas, and then you can head out and 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 like I said in one episode, the actual little bit of snow that we did get at the end of those rain events, when it finally cooled down enough, was actually a bit of a nuisance for the backcountry skiing. Yeah, you weren't yeah if you didn't get up there quick enough to ski it when it was fresh. um, All the corn was hiding underneath this blanket of sticky snow, so you had to aim for the brown stuff to (laughs) and avoid the the nice fresh white stuff.
1: Have you ever bought or carried the, um, you know, he can get like the little stick or bottle of of wax to just throw on the bottom of your skis while you're out and about skiing. Have you ever taken that with you? Uh, I think I, I
2: took it a few times on some Sterling trips. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Because I wonder if that, yeah, that would be good in that scenario, maybe. Yeah. I'm usually pretty onto the money with waxing my skis pretty regularly, but I'll be honest, this season I didn't wax them at all. It was, um <laughs> just with the renovations and stuff like that everything was very last minute I was always going to go skiing but you know with the lockdowns and stuff with the resort going to open again can I go back country skiing oh yep all of a sudden I can again just grab and go and you know I didn't notice the difference on at <laughs> too much anyway yeah. yeah but I did yes to answer your question yes I did um I used to anyway but yeah uh, not so much these days. If I was going on like a, an epic trip or I was going to hang yeah, in the backcountry yeah. for 10 days, I I probably would. But, mm. yeah, usually it's for a sure. day trip or a two-night thing from here anyway, so it's all,
1: all pretty good. Uh, yes, this next point, I suppose we might breeze over it because we've probably spoken enough about this um, in our time as podcasters, I would say, how has the coronavirus mm. pandemic affected this season in our season review? I'll I'll kick us off. I'll say that it's obviously affected my season. Yes, magnanimously, uh, having only skied at Falls Creek for two days and at Mount Sterling for three days. So I was thankful for those extra three days there. It was good to get out and about, but yeah it's 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 been uh, it's been a bit sad to sit at home and not be able to ski, but alas, life goes on and hopefully next year I'll be able to get out and about. What about, um, yeah, from a, a local Alpine person's perspective would have had a slightly different impact on you?
2: Mm, yeah, look, I've mentioned previously that I can't complain. I've personally, in terms of skiing, I've had a good season. Like I had enough leave to um, take when there was a good weather window, whether it be fresh snow coming or um, if it was nice, you know, spring skiing, I could take that leave and just spend five days concentrating on skiing. Um, so I can't complain in that regard. I got lots of ski ski days in and a lot of people in the area here did because we could – everyone here can't complain about that, but it's, it's the other side of things. Like, sure, we can ski, but so many businesses here have just – crumbled without people here coming to visit they just don't make any money and there's no all the locals here they already have their own skis you know they're not paying for buses and stuff like that i could go on and on and on but restaurants can only have a certain amount of people in them still they're not opening or they're you know they're shutting the doors selling the business or trying to sell the business yeah it, it has been a bit of a stinker and it's sad to see so many of these businesses struggle i don't know what's going to happen next season we'll We'll see, but I imagine there will be, yeah, a few people trying to sell up and, and find some other venture to make a crust for a living.
1: Yeah. And do you think they'll still be implementing only two people per four-person chairlift next year? Although they weren't even really implementing that this year.
2: <laughs> no. No. Well, that was the weird thing, Morgz. like Everyone thought that, you know, you'd go up, and you'd be forced to kind of ride two only on a chair because that's what they were doing last season for the four days they were open but not at all it was kind of the opposite like especially earlier in the season this year it was you know we were very much under some pretty stringent covid rules about social distancing Mm. and we thought that was going to happen but it was the total opposite. They were trying to ferry us, get us all onto the lifts. Like, you know, all the, the lift attendants were like, come on, yeah. you know, four people get onto lift. And we we're kind of like, I thought we meant to socially distance is is this what you want us doing? They're like, Well, you're gonna wait in the line longer. It's like
0: yes, okay, whatever. Yeah. So,
2: but it was totally mixing with everyone, people we never met. So it was it was it was strange, for sure. Um, so having said that, I don't think they'll be <laughs> enforcing it next year. <laughs>
1: No yeah, they'll uh because <laughs> you know how when you're waiting in line at a shop or something, um, they often painted or stuck down tape to to show yes. you like a little X or something where you should be standing in line for the self-serve checkout at Foodworks or something like that. I wonder if someone's going to be out there with uh, like you know spray paint just spraying the little X's in the snow, like, you know, stand here, stand here, <laughs> next person, next If they did
2: that, you'd bloody get off the offloading ramp and then have to wait in the queue.
1: Yep. <laughs> Everyone's just trying to um, <laughs> snowplough their way down the run and, mm. you know, stop at the next, next place. And then you've got, you know, Jerry comes down and just takes out 400 people. And moving on, I suppose, uh, you wanted to talk about equipment which mm. you, you've obviously got probably more to, more to speak to here than myself, having purchased a couple of sets of skis this year, although I did actually buy a new set of skis. They're still just sitting in my shed. Um, ah, yes. Yeah, so that yes. was exciting. The DPS skis. They even have the inserts to put axles or outlaws, I'm assuming, have the same. Well, yes, anyway, next year is mm. big old DPS yellow Things The bananas, I affectionately call oh. them now, are going to be coming out and they are going to be charging around the various mountains here in Australia. And, and I might even have a sneaky pair of axles you can borrow. Ooh, <laughs> I hope so, because I don't and- want to have to unscrew any of my other skis. All right, tell us about your your purchases.
2: Well, I haven't really talked about this on the show at all. The the who Team 100s had for a long time finally died. Binding ripped out of it, kind of expecting it. They were substantially damaged in the past. I was too impoverished to buy new sets of skis back then, so I just kind of MacGyvered my way through it with a lot of epoxy and fixed them up. They lasted a long time, though. They did last a long time, yeah, and they were great. I just didn't want to replace them because I loved them, you know, so much. They were the perfect ski for me. But alas, they have died, and I hunted for something – That was very similar in size. And I found that in the line Supernatural, um, a fantastic ski, which I think somehow the Team 100 was bought by line and it became the profit and they discontinued the profit but then started making the Supernatural. And it's got a lot of similar things, you know, the metal top sheet to help make it nice and stiff. Great ski. I've loved it. And we'll continue to ski that until that eventually dies, hopefully in the very, very far horizon in the future. But, yeah, love it. But um, they are heavy, and I have been eyeing off the volley Ultra Vector morgues for a long time. Very hard to get here and very hard to find on sale. But Rhythm did put them on sale, I guess, because a lot of people weren't buying stuff, they weren't skiing. Um, So they were down to a very good price, and I committed. So these have the pattern on the bottom, and I had do have a set of pattern skis, but I don't like them. Um, they're very, very much made for touring, kind of dancing around on, you know, rolling terrain, and, yeah, they certainly lack the performance for going downhill, but these volley Ultra Vectors are made for the downhills and having the ability to kind of skirt around on flattish terrain without skins on, and, my God, they are fantastic morgues. Let's you that right now. Very surprised for a pattern-based ski.
1: Uh, we, did, we did also get some some old equipment uh, way back earlier in the season. You, you got uh, some lovely old skis, which we ripped around on, on one of those days when I was up. Um, and then you also went and purchased some other old school skis that I sought out on Gumtree.
2: Yes, so they have not been skied this season by, I guess, either of us. But we do have a good stockpile for the event we were potentially going to run, the Australian equivalent of the, pardon me, the smelly knee pad. We've got some stuff here for for
1: next year. We should be able to just kick straight into it. Lovely. Well said. Uh, I believe that uh, you caught up with a friend of the show, Sven Gorham, Mm. earlier this week, Rich, to ask him about New Zealand where he has been based this winter.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to get a quick, quick wrap up of the season down there. I think they're just having their, a lot of their resorts be the be the club fields or the major resorts are having their kind of last days now, um, closing up on the weekend. And yeah, we caught up with him just to get his thoughts on the season and the general vibe of winter 2021 in the land of the long white cloud. So let's go to that now. All right, Sven, welcome back to the show, mate. So I appreciate you taking the time on your little road trip to give us a bit of a rundown on how the season went over there.
3: Yeah, it's uh oh mate, you know, 2021's uh turned out weirder than 2020. I made it over to NZ and uh yeah, we've had a we had a weird one here um as well as, you know, you guys did back in Aussie. Um what has happened? I mean, we started out with a with a lot of snow up in the Canterbury region, up sort of uh, club fields. Uh, they got you know a ton of snow. Like I think Mount Hot opened with like a meter and a half of base or something oh, like wow. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas sort of the southern uh, Southern Lakes resorts, um, you know, Remark's, Coronet, Cardies, and and TC, uh, not so much. We we opened a fair bit later. Um, Cone, where I work at control, is uh, we actually missed. All the, all the storms that the Southern Lakes got, and we got all the we missed all the the storms that uh, Canterbury got. So Treble Cone was particularly uh, bony for the first part of the season, uh, but uh, yeah, she came she came good uh, towards the middle of the season um, when we got uh, a ton of snow. Um, we had uh, potentially one of the best snow days uh, Treble Cone has seen in the last 30 years, with about uh, you know 85 to 90 centimeters of you know, cold blower, Japanese powder Oof. falling up on the summit. But uh, unfortunately, that was the day we locked down on COVID, uh, oh so no one got to see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: no! Because uh, yeah. we talked to another Aussie over in New Zealand, actually Soyboy, earlier in the season, and, yeah, and things yeah. were going pretty well despite the low snow still. Uh, and and yeah. then just shortly after that, I can think we were in lockdown at the time. Uh, unfortunately. You guys went into lockdown. Did that um, affect the season that much?
3: Oh, look, you know, it did. (laughs) You know, there was a lot of broken hearts because, you know, we we skied a little bit of good snow on the Tuesday. Um, You know, it was pretty deep and everyone was like, hey, sweet, it's on now. And then uh, that night we found out we are going into lockdown the following day and had to shut everything down. And we just had a ton of snow. Like, it was just sitting there being super beautiful and and blower, but uh, everyone in town was, you know... Uh, in hard lockdown, uh, you know, it's um, they're pretty strict about it over here. So that was hard heartbreaking, but the snow just sat there for three weeks. And, um, you know, that's how long we were in lockdown for. And uh, when we got back up on the snow uh, after the third week, you know, it was all still there, but it was, you know, well-consolidated, you know, burly, hard pack. Mm. Um, and actually starting to get a little bit springy and corn-cycly. So what was, you know, beautiful Japanese powder, obviously, you know, turned into rock hard uh, <laughs> firm snow that was just slowly springing up yeah but uh, yeah I mean it definitely affected you know a lot of people in, you know in regards to work and that sort of thing over here there's a lot of you know small businesses that are really suffering and um, I think some of the the clubbies are really feeling it um, the bigger resorts you know that have got a bit more money I think they can probably weather that a little bit better but yeah definitely a lot of small business really struggling with uh, the things that are going on I've heard a few, few, uh, few shops closing down oh, nice. over the last few days. You know, accommodation and stuff like that. So, you know, tough times. And it's not, it's not even as bad as what it is over in Aussie. You know, we were only really in lockdown for three weeks. Um, it's more just the, the lack of international tourists coming over and and skiing our resorts. I guess, yeah,
2: yeah. And I would definitely be one of those uh, for sure. The trip to New Zealand was planned uh, tentatively this year, but obviously. Not going ahead. Can't even leave the state at the moment. Um,
3: yeah. <laughs>
2: which is really yeah. hard. But, um, and yeah, of course...
3: It's amazing how many Aussies were, were planning on coming over here. I had a lot of mates coming and it was going to be pretty good. But It, like, I, I, it seems to me like you guys, at least the people who are around the snow, got um, a better snowpack than, uh, than New Zealand did this year anyway, so... Oh well, you know,
2: that's, um yeah. If you
3: could ski, I guess Australia was you know if you're in the right place, if you know if you're in the Jindabyne LGA, and you could get out touring, I, I think that probably would have been the best place for, for skiing this year.
2: You of course were at Perisher last year, and yeah. and you got on over to New Zealand and you're at Treble Cone. So what were you doing exactly? I'm guessing patrolling, of course.
3: Yeah, yeah. So um. Uh, I've been at uh, Chapel Ski Patrol for this is my fourth season there Yeah, um, obviously having the break last year for Perisher um, but yeah I'm just uh, mid-level patroller um, doing all the first aid doing all the avalanche control throwing bombs you know um, skiing snow and uh, yeah, just having fun
2: yeah I've got a quick question I remember being over there and seeing a lot of like patrol dogs are they still getting the patrol dogs out and about on a regular basis the treble cone? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually live with two uh, avalanche dogs. Oh, nice. Uh,
3: avalanche dogs, yeah. Yeah, my landlord that uh, I live with, uh, he runs Aspiring uh, Avalanche Dogs, or he's one of the you know, the head guys, and he's got two, two Border Collies, Rocket and Wizard, that I live with, and they're super lovely, and I get to come home to them every night and have a have a quick little play and, you know, hang out with them. But, yeah, treble cone's got uh, a, a number of dogs that we use Um you know, for you know, avalanche rescue and that sort of thing, they're always on call to fly to wherever there is an avalanche. Um, thankfully, that doesn't really happen particularly often, but sometimes they're, they're used to uh, you know checking uh, you know, natural avalanches and stuff like that, where they think that they might have been in involvement or something like that, it's just to check that you know there wasn't anything in it. Uh, but yeah, we've got we've got stacks of dogs on treble cone, um, a couple of new ones this year, and a couple of uh, our, our do- older dogs uh, actually retired last year, so. It's a bit of a changing of the guard year, but I think it's, we've got about five or six patrol dogs hanging around, which are always uh, you know, cute to have around and livens the spirits up when they they come on and jump on you and give you a bit of a lick.
2: Yeah, it is pretty cool. I remember at Travel Gone, actually, me and some friends kind of stumbled across a scenario, but we didn't know it was a scenario. Yeah. We just saw this dog digging in a whole bunch of debris <laughs> and, and some patrollers. Yeah. Kind of, um, you know, there as well. And we kind of rushed over to see if they wanted a hand. And they're like, no, 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 it's all good. They're, they're just training. We're like, yeah. And they're, and they're also, don't touch the dog. Please don't touch the dog. So, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. 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 You've got to be real careful around the dogs. That You know, if they're, if they're in work mode, you really don't want to mess around with them. But uh, if, you know, if the handler says it's okay, you know, you definitely go give them a pat and a bit of a cuddle. Yeah.
2: Just looking ahead now, What's what's on for you in the next couple of. Months or even weeks, are you planning on doing some touring up there? Like, is there enough snow up top to hopefully get out and get some spring turns in? Yeah,
3: uh, I mean, that's the that's the plan. I've got a, a bit of a trip up into the hills uh, coming up this next week with some uh, other guys from uh, from Triple Grand Patrol. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, our rain line was quite high this year, uh, but we did get a lot of precepts. So when you're above the rain line, it was about, yeah, about 1,800, 1,900, um, we actually got quite a lot of snow, um, so it's pretty fat up top, um, and that's sort of what we're hoping for. Uh, down lower, you know, it's it's pretty thin, if not tussock now, but up high, yeah, there's quite a bit of snow. So hopefully we get some touring missions on in the next uh, next couple of weeks, but, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, the weather's not really playing ball this week, but next week it's looking like it'll be a bit better. So hopefully, yeah, get get some touring action going on, yeah.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. Second last question, I guess. Well you know, I'm curious about uh the the tally scene at Treble Cone. Obviously we spoke as I said, we spoke to Spo Soy Boy and he said it wasn't uh, he's only one of very few telemarkers getting around and anyway, yeah. you reckon. So can you weigh in on that at all? Oh no,
3: he's he's pretty accurate. And the, and that, that's the funny thing. i' you know, I'm not sure how many times I've even met him. <laughs> I mean it's such a small little community. But, I mean, you know, like like a lot of places, you you know, you've got that that television. You can see another telemarker from a mile away um, because we are kind of so rare. You know, I I mean, there's another teleskier on patrol, Fozzie. He's freaking awesome. Super solid teleskier. Um, And uh, there's, you know, uh, probably a handful of other ones, you know, sort of keeping the dream alive a lot. Still on 75, not too many on NTN. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's difficult to, uh, get, get telly gear in New Zealand anymore. There's not too many shops selling it. So kind of hard to encourage your mates to take it up when there's not too many places yeah, you can yeah. e- even rent the gear really. So, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, good. I've been lending a bit of gear yeah. to friends, but it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a difficult thing, but you know, there's still a lot of interest. Like everybody comes up to me and it's like, Oh, what's, what's the, with those sloppy bindings? I'd love to have a go at those. And, yeah, uh, yeah, so it's definitely the interest there. It's just the access is always the hard part. Mm.
2: And obviously patrol at Treble Cone doesn't seem to mind. Um, I was curious about going for the patrol test this year, but they said I wasn't allowed to use tellies because they don't have a DIN rating and I'll never be able to use tallies <laughs> apparently. So I didn't go and do the test. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah.
3: Oh, well, I just... Um, I just tell people that on my NTN, the little adjustment screws are either dim and they just accept it.
2: So <laughs> I can yeah. sort of
3: sneak that through. <laughs> lovely,
2: lovely. Yeah. All right, Sven, um, thank you so much for your time. But uh, yeah, one final question. Obviously, we talked about ice cream a fair bit last year in our interview with you. Oh, uh, yeah. So um, I'm curious to know, like, how's the ice cream fair over there compared to Australia, let's say?
3: Um, look, you know, there's obviously different varieties of ice cream over here. So it is, has been a little bit of a ice cream safari, but, uh, what, what is curious is that they've got a lot of the same ice creams, but they've just changed the names. Um, notably okay. gay time is called uh cookie crumble over here. So oh. they're weird, but it's essentially the same thing. And, uh, I have been enjoying all the varieties of gay time that have, uh, sorry, Cookie crumble that have been coming out recently, the, uh, the cocoa pops and Fruit Loops versions have been uh, actually pretty wonderful. Now, uh, but, yeah, New Zealand's got a good good sense of them.
2: Munging into something covered in Fruit Loops seems a bit strange to me. Was it was it any good?
3: It's actually really good. Uh, I'm not being paid to say
2: that, but uh, <laughs>
3: uh, Cookie Crumble or Gay time is actually really awesome. It tastes like a bowl of uh, Fruit Loops, but like crunchy. I guess I don't know. It's um. You should read my review on my Instagram page. It's, yeah. it's really good. Actually. I saw the cocoa Box yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, there's the Fruit Loops one as well. I, I dare would say that the Fruit Loops one is actually better than the Cocoa Box. But you know, that's one weird guy's opinion.
2: Yeah, I see. And what about the carrots, mate? they are you still uh, rating carrots. Oh, yep. You found on the
3: carrot <laughs> review page. Yeah, I did. I'm yeah. Leading <laughs> carrot.
2: <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for your time, and uh, look forward to catching up in the future.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, stay safe and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy your spring if you
1: get some.
2: Cheers, man! Awesome. Uh, g- great
1: to hear from Sven there, A- and it sounds like he's absolutely enjoying his time there in New Zealand amidst the um, the pandemic and potentially. Uh, you know, not not the greatest uh, snow cover for winter to date, but also good to hear that he's getting around the local ice creams as well.
2: I found it pretty interesting about the various gay time flavours. Um, I thought the Coco Pops one would be more delicious than the Fruit Loops version, but uh,
1: there you go. But Crazy. Uh, Yeah. I haven't seen those in Australia. Wait, no, mm, I don't. I All have right. not. No, I have not. <laughs> All right, Rich. It appears that you have prepared a song for the Free Healers for the season finale, which I am very excited.
0: Oh, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Those are songs for the Free Healers. All right.
2: Yes. Now, this is a parody of one of my favourite New Zealand bands. We were just talking about Kiwis, and, of course, it is Flight of the Concords, and it is a parody of Leggy Bond,
1: um, a, a really great tune. Which is supposed to be... Uh, you know, a sad song about in 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 the original song, Leggy Blonde, uh, the fella he's you know he's singing uh, about how much to his chagrin the lady who was fixing the printer or something has left the office and she was blonde and had nice legs and so he was not able to ask her out on a date. But what is it that you are lamenting about in your version, Rich?
2: Well, I guess in a similar vein, I am somewhat sad. I am. Not sad about a mysterious blonde lady, but sad about the beautiful corn snow that would usually probably hang on a bit longer than it is. And we had so much of it this season, like I said, yeah, pretty average season, lots of snow, great for backcountry skiing in late September and into, you know, mid to late October sometimes. But the rain has melt made it melt incredibly fast and we're losing it as we speak and our backcountry days are limited so it is a song about saying goodbye to the beautiful corn snow and not being able to scare it as much as we'd like to I suppose from my perspective obviously uh, in in your situation um, not at all
1: so (laughs) yeah so I was just (laughs) going to say that yeah when you're you're saying goodbye because every time I always find that when it comes to the end of winter you uh, you know, you go out skiing in the backcountry for those springtime backcountry days, or maybe even those springtime resort days, where you just think, oh, that maybe are they going to extend the season for another week and stay open? And you just think, oh, I'll just get another another couple of hours in, or another run in, or maybe we'll come back tomorrow or next weekend. And you yeah. just don't know. Yeah. You just don't know when the next yeah. dump of rain is going to hit all that twenty-two degree day. Is going to come in in October. And <laughs> so you just, yeah. you always feel like you're saying goodbye at the end of the season. And that's, that's right. That's, that's where I feel you were going with this this one.
2: Absolutely. It's almost like a competition, isn't it? You're like, oh, yeah, no, I got the, you know, I skied. Uh, I got the latest buddy. day
1: in. Yeah.
0: Oh, 29th of October. It was barely any left, but still found a few lines. Asked, oh, <laughs> oh, buddy, skied
2: Christmas Day.
1: Hey, well, we, we did, uh, we, we, yeah, we did New Year's Eve up at uh, Mount Kosciuszko. All oh, right. Good. Let's go to your song. All right, here it is.
0: spare Some cahoots, but that time i like falling Ultra vectors and line supernaturals two sets of new skis in one season it's been a good year Corny, gone 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 Snowy, 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 snowy Snowy, 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 snowy gone Bye I'll never get, I'll never get to harvest ya, I'll never get to share another BC beer with ya. I'll never get to tell ya how much I'd a dream of ya I'll never get to tear my skins up on top of ya. I'll never get, he'll never get, he'll never get, I'll never get to say
1: Goodbye.
0: the corn harvest snow yeah skiing all day from dawn to dusk wearing nothing but our white shirts and thongs yeah you'll never get you'll never get i'll never get you'll never get to say goodbye
1: good bravo bravo you, lovely
2: that's the the final songs for the free healers this season I hope people out there enjoyed it and I hope I hope that we're back next season Morgues. and I hope it's I hope it's a better season
1: yeah yeah I, I hope it's a, yeah well I mean it was a pretty good season from from a snow, snow yeah it was a it was a good sne- a good sneezing a good sneezing <laughs> it was yeah <laughs> It was a good season for those who got there, um, you know, to enjoy long, long bouts of skiing. But, um, yes, hopefully the snow is similar next year and we can get up there and get amongst it. And thanks to you, Rich, for everything that you've done, all your all your work that you put in, the editing of the podcast. Again, I think I sort of rattled off a similar spiel last year. I I literally do just turn up each week and talk, uh, so yeah. it is It is nice to um, not have the added pressure and responsibility of doing all the editing that you do as well, of which you do a fantastic job, might I add. Uh, so well done on another stellar season.
2: I appreciate you rocking up each week. And uh, even even when you can't ski, you know, <laughs> totally under- could understand if you didn't want to rock up and talk about it each week. But thank you so much. It's been nice to get your perspective on what it's actually been like being stuck in in the city, being the adventurous soul that you are, like, yes. like uh, keeping a budgie in a cage and removing its wings. I'm a peacock.
1: You gotta let me
2: fly. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for all the listeners for doing just that, listening and and writing in. And yeah, I guess the majority of our our audience is from kind of major cities so i i can't say honestly feel your pain but i do feel sorry for you all and hopefully 2022 is the season where we can get around without worrying about any of this stuff going on in the world at the moment
1: absolutely
2: all right let's uh let's let's sign off righto morgs thanks again mates and i'll see you hopefully sooner than 2022 <laughs> but in terms of the podcast I'll see you there yep ciao bye those telly guys hope you have enjoyed this program we'd love to hear from you please get in touch at those telly guys at gmail.com if you enjoy this show please subscribe for more fun episodes otherwise you can find us on Instagram thank you